we are all familiar with the fact that the four accounts of the gospel of Jesus Christ tell the central story of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah Christ, the Word made flesh, the Son of God, God incarnate. It is his story in those four accounts of the one good news, the gospel. Yet, those four accounts of Jesus' life, birth, life, and death, and resurrection, are also filled with some stories of the births, the lives, and the deaths of some of the folks who first followed Jesus. Not necessarily their physical birth, but there are the stories of, their, of the birth of their beginning with Jesus. Their birth into new life when they first began to follow Jesus. We have many of their stories, and we have stories of some of their deaths. Um, the... Uh, the fact of our beginning with Christ is wonderfully illustrated in an experience that I'm not sure the younger folks in our congregation have had to see firsthand. Those of us who are older uh, remember Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey's circuses coming to our cities at least once a year as they traveled around the United States. Times have changed, and we do have Cirque du Soleil, but I'm not sure our children get to see a circus up close, particularly having the experience for the first time to see the trapeze artists. There is such a thing as the flying trapeze performers. The flying trapeze is different than just the trapeze because it always involves two trapezes swinging toward one another and a flyer and a catcher. It is an amazing stunt and it is uh, performed now only with a net. They learned a few things in the early days. <laughs> The stop at the bottom wasn't too good. Uh, but uh, they, in the early days, there were some very courageous people, or foolish, who performed some of these tricks uh, without nets. And uh, today, a, a trapeze artist, flying trapeze artists, are capable, many of them, or some of them, of 45 different tricks on the two trapezes. I, I was kind of amazed. Um, the trapeze, by the way, was invented, uh, rigged up for the first time in 1859 by a guy named Jules Leotard. You made the connection. <laughs> so his name uh, is now famous all over the world, at least in English, and um, he had no idea that would be happening. But this is a wonderful illustration 
of that point in the Christian life when we begin to follow Jesus. The catcher has to swing out and is in, I mean, the, the, the catcher swings first and the catcher gives the signal, is responsible for the timing for the flyer. I would have thought it was the other way. By the way, the catcher is always named uh, Moose, uh, uh, Goliath, uh, something like that. <laughs> and uh, the catcher always catches the flyer. It's not the flyer's responsibility to catch the catcher. Very interesting. That's why it becomes a very good illustration of our beginnings with Jesus. For the flyer must let go of the trapeze that he or she has hold of in order to do execute a, a, a trick and then be caught by the catcher. It does not work too well if the flyer goes out and says, I'm going to hold on while I get you and then let go. This is what we have been looking at the past two weeks with the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler had a hard time letting go of the trapeze that he started with, that he was depending on. He would not let go of the God in his life, small g, his wealth, in order to be caught by the one who loved him and created him. Um, let's pray for understanding this morning as we explore this a little bit more and read our text again. Would you pray with me? Lord, we have learned that we need your help to read your word and understand what you have said. We trust that you are the author. You have used many people in history to speak through and have write your words for the world. We thank you that your words are powerful and loving and full of life, but they are also sometimes puzzling to us. We ask you to help us to have wonderful, ever greater insights to your loving words to us. We ask this in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. Reading again from Mark 10, verses 16, uh, 17 through 27. Let us listen to God's word for us again. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him, Jesus and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. He, the young man, said to him, 
Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked. And he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. This morning, the sermon title is from the words of Jesus, Come, follow me. But an important word has been left out of that title. The last words Jesus said to the rich young ruler were actually, Then come and follow me. Remember, I tell you, the little words are often the keys to every text. Then come and follow me. What did Jesus mean by that word then? Then means at this point in time, and in this particular point, it's after something else. It was to be after he let go of the trapeze that he was holding on to. After you let go of your other God, your wealth, then come and follow me. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had said, no one can serve two masters. He says, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or love the one and hate the other. Did I get that right? (laughs) Um, Only then can we come and follow Jesus. Wealth is only one of our gods in our life. Often our God is simply ourself. But the more fortunate we are in the circumstances of our birth, in the effectiveness of our efforts to live, the wealthier we get in a lot of different ways, not only in monetary wealth, but in other types of things about our lives. The more we become self-sustaining, uh, uh, self-reliant, 
self-capable, the harder it is for us to let go of whatever the God is in our life, let go and let God be our God. All of us must let go of something to follow Jesus. You may not have identified that when you first began, or so you thought. Our beginnings sometimes can be fuzzy. We can start when we are fairly young. We may not know then what we are letting go. We may start at a later age, and then after a year or two realize that there's something about us and in us that's competing with God. We have not really followed him. Let him lead us. Let him carry us. Come is an invitation to be loved by our creator. You know, the word come is uh, really an invitation, and it is very different than the key word in another religion, which is submit. The second largest religion in the world is named submission in English. It involves submit. It plays out in the relationships among the people in that religion. God, who made himself known in Christ, says, come. It is a loving invitation and an invitation to be loved, an invitation to know this, to know God. Um, when Jesus said, follow me, that is an invitation into a relationship. God does not remain distant and fearful and foreboding. God comes near to us, comes within us, unites God's self with us in a loving relationship. Yes, a guiding relationship, a truthful relationship. It is a relationship uh, with God, and there are three aspects to it. It is an invitation to be with him. Not only does he invite, does he come into our lives, but he invites us into his life. It's a relationship to be with him. That is something to contemplate in the quiet moments of our lives. He says, I will never fail you or forsake you. I will be with you always. Jesus said to his disciples in John, if you keep my commandments, my instructions, if you listen to my words, my Father and I will love you and we will make our home within you, not visit you, we will dwell in you. We are invited to be with him. We're also invited to go with him. Uh, Jesus didn't, didn't say just to be with me. The very word follow indicates that God is in movement. Christ was in movement in the flesh. God is still in movement. God has a mission. 
and it involves everyone in the world. God is about reaching everyone, reconciling everyone, loving everyone, healing everyone. And God invites us not only to go with him as he does that, he invites us to take part. He has given us gifts, as I told the children. He gives us more gifts, really, when he comes into us. And he calls us to go with him and serve the world, beginning with our own spouse, beginning with our own children, beginning with our families, our brothers and sisters initially, but moving on out to the family we belong with in him and moving on out to neighbors and Jesus said, even enemies. We are to go. Sometimes the going is involves um, just from where we used to be to where God wants us to be. That doesn't even involve uh, physically going anywhere. It involves transformation in our lives. That is a going with Christ that's very important. Um, it's, it's an amazing relationship he invites us into. It's a relationship uh, in which we are invited to trust him. And that is a lesson we learn deeper and deeper the longer we live. We trust him in a choice of marriage. We trust him with the birth of our children and raising them. We trust him to lead us in careers, to lead us in finding other believers to, to walk with and grow with. We trust him to lead us. We trust him for so much, and he wants us to. And he says, you can trust me. And finally, when we go through the transition from this mortal life to eternal life, he asks us to still trust him. For it becomes very unnerving and uncomfortable, even painful at times, to go through that transition. And there is fear on the part even of those who have walked with Jesus for a long time. I have seen it. And we need each other at those moments. We need our families. We need our brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ to remind us of things we might be forgetting at that stage, to remind us of things we believed about trusting him. But that's the, the final trusting before we go to be with him face to face. It's an amazing relationship he invites us into. But there's another relationship. When we follow him, we join with each other. Following Jesus is also an invitation to be with each other. And that's not on a, a name on a list. That's not just joining sometime when we were younger. To be with each other means doing exactly what you are doing this morning, gathering together even from your homes. You are with us. 
it means being together. And um, it doesn't just mean being together physically in the chairs. It means getting to know each other. That's why we need smaller groups than this. This is a hard one to have a discussion in. <laughs> uh, hard for each of us to share something about our week. Unless, you know, you'd like a longer service. But, uh, but we need small groups. We need Bible study groups. We need discipleship groups. We need uh, brothers in mowing. <laughs> brothers and sisters in serving in different ways that we do here and then beyond here. We need small groups. We need to be with each other. We need to get to know each other. For loving each other is only words unless we know each other. And we are called to love each other. We're called to go with each other. To go with each other in growth. To go with each other in tasks. To go with each other not only across our community, but maybe further, further away than Katie, we're called to go. Maybe we're called to support someone who goes in, uh, that we sponsor, but we are called to go to the rest of the world as much as anyone else in the church. And we are called to trust each other. Not as much as we trust Jesus, but we are called to trust each other. You don't let someone else know you unless you do trust them. And we do grow to trust each other as we spend more time with each other. And in trusting each other, we reveal more of ourselves to each other and we accept each other. And we, by doing that, have grace for each other and we really are then loving each other. It is an amazing experience that God has called us into. There's no comparison of the catcher's trapeze to the old one we were holding on to. I have a photo of Dr. Michael Yapko. Uh, he is a PhD psychotherapist. Uh, I recently became acquainted with him listened to lectures, taken a lot of notes, and was very impressed with what he said. He has studied for 40 years the subject of depression. You can view his lecture on YouTube, How to Recover from Depression. Now, you may be saying, this sermon is taking an odd turn, Harry. <laughs> this comes under the category of the benefits of following Jesus and following him together. Uh, Dr. Yapko uh, has studied depression and it is a form of human suffering. It is not minor. Uh, depression has become the leading cause of human suffering in the world. Wow. That's not me saying that. That isn't even just Dr. Yapko saying that. That is the World Health Organization receiving information and data from medical professionals around the world. In 2012, the World Health Organization 
announced that depression was the number four cause of human suffering, only behind cancer, heart disease, and traffic accidents. De human depression was way ahead of crime or war. In 2012, that World Health Organization said that by 2020, human, uh, depression would be the second leading cause. But in 2017, they announced that human depression was now the number one cause of human suffering in the world. I listened to Dr. Yapko say that medications are not enough. He is very familiar with the history of antidepressants. He said no amount of medication can teach you effective coping and stress management, realistic explanatory skills for what's happened to you, skills to build and maintain positive relationships, how to build and maintain a support group, how to transcend adverse personal history, how to build a compelling future. As I listened to that lecture, I said to myself, that's us. <laughs> that's us. For 2,000 years, Jesus has been calling people to be transformed and to find those solutions to their suffering. Yes, depression is caused sometimes by physical things, by psychological things, by genetic things, by illnesses, by accidents. But depression is optional. Depression affects all of the rest of the physical ailments, all of the conditions we have. Depression destroys what health we have and leads to many ending their lives. The people who find themselves facing forward, Yapko said this, the people who find themselves facing forward, who start thinking in terms of how do I want my life to become, they do better than the people who keep focused on the past, the unchangeable past. Well, we know about what is unchangeable. That's what Jesus says is impossible. But Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. God has that eraser like the kids have on a pencil. And what we say in confession, God cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Our past, no matter how horrible, God has the power to forgive it and to cleanse us to make us new and whole. We speak a lot about eternal life and we are amazed that we have been given that in Christ. But we also understand that eternal life begins here and now. It begins when we let go of other gods and come to Christ and follow him here and now with one another. The rich young ruler went away sad and grieving. Grieving, Luke said, because he was so gripped on his hold on that which he had made his God. 
If you have not, I invite you to come and follow Jesus. Follow Jesus together with us. Follow Jesus together by supporting one another, getting to know one another, loving one another, serving with one another, being transformed with one another, having real joy with one another, knowing a hope that is certain with one another. That is the power of God's own spirit dwelling within each of us. Wow. Amen? How dear built my life upon all this world reveres and wars to own all I once thought gain I have counted loss spent and worthless now compared to this knowing you Jesus knowing you there is no greater thing you're my all you're the best you're my joy my righteousness and I love you, Lord, knowing you. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as you. To possess by faith what I could not earn, all surpassing gift and righteousness, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no grace. to know the power of your risen life and to know you in your sufferings to become like
let us join in pray for one another